Everybody Googles everything, especially potential customers or employers, and a business or personal online reputation can make or break you. If negative search results or reviews are impacting you, Webamax is here to help. Our proven process restores your online reputation quickly and effectively, and it matters. Don't let negative results control your narrative. Visit GoWebamax.com and fill out a brief confidential form to see how we can help. Remember, if you aren't paying attention to your online reputation, someone else is. GoWebamax.com. Before history is written, it's played. Before it's frozen in time, it's fought one shift at a time. Before it's etched in silver, it's carved in ice. What happens next will last forever. The Stanley Cup Final on ABC and ESPN Plus begins Saturday. Anatomy of an ad. Subconsciously trigger emotions through music. Perfect. Define an opportunity. Imagine talking to millions of people across the U.S. like I am now. Identify a problem. Creating an audio ad is time-consuming. Offer a solution. Utilize cutting-edge AI. Imagine creating all that in under 30 seconds. Well, we did. To create this ad... To learn more about AI in the audio industry, download the white paper from audiostack.ai. Anatomy of an ad. Subconsciously trigger emotions through music. Perfect. Define an opportunity. Imagine talking to millions of people across the U.S. like I am now. Identify a problem. Creating an audio ad is time-consuming. Offer a solution. Utilize cutting-edge AI. Imagine creating all that in under 30 seconds. Well, we did. To create this ad, to learn more about AI in the audio industry, download the white paper from audiostack.ai. And welcome back, everybody. Welcome back to part two of this episode of Steelers Friday Night Six Pack. I'm your host, Tony Defio. Thank you for joining me. Thank you for sticking with me on uh, in Facebook and, and on YouTube Live. And thank you for downloading part two. Uh I have some more things I want to uh, get off my chest, so to speak, and take some questions and comments. And did I say Steelers brunch, George Teston? I might have said that. It's all right. It's Friday night. You know what I mean. It's all the same. But if I said that, I, obviously it's not brunch. It's it's nine o'clock at night or nine thirty as I'm talking to you right now. Boy, you guys never let you never you never miss anything. But anyway, uh, let's see what we have here as far as comments and questions before I move on to my next topic. And this is one from Thanks Me and Joe. And he asks, Who do you like as a starting running back today, Tony? You mean for the Steelers? To be honest, I'm okay with all three of the guys that are uh, the, the top prospects Najee Harris from Alabama, Travis Entienne from Clemson, and Javante Williams from North Carolina. I'm, I'm, I'm perfectly, I'd be perfectly fine with any, any one of those guys. Uh, you know, they've, they're all. Great prospects. It really isn't a whole a whole lot that differentiates any of them, as far as I'm concerned. Um, they all play for major programs. Uh, obviously, Alabama and, and Clemson have been far more successful than North Carolina, but it doesn't really matter. It's still it's still a high level college football in, in in the ACC and you know North Carolina. So I, I'm not worried about that. So I really don't have a preference. You know, I think it'll be interesting to see if if. If one of those guys is there and, and, and he's the only one left, uh, what, what do they do? Do they take him? Uh, or do they hope that he'll still be there in the second round, which he probably won't be. 
or they have their eye on another running back that they feel like they can get in the second or third round. So, and that brings me into some draft talk on the second half of the show. And I don't know if you guys have, have uh, are familiar with this this series, this draft series. On it's an NFL film slash NFL Network production, and it's called "Caught in the Draft," and it chronicles some famous uh, previous drafts. I think I've seen seven so far: uh, 74, 75, 85, 94, 95, 04, and 05. I've watched all of them and I think they're all fantastic and they're all enlightening. And um, I think the 74 one, I just, I just found on YouTube last night, Thursday night. And um, it was uh, basically the main theme of, of, of that production, as far as I'm concerned was how, or I shouldn't say the main theme, but the thing I took away from that was how uh, very little teams value draft picks in those days. It's certainly not like they do today. Um, teams were just half the teams in, in the draft or in the NFL were, were more apt to build their team through veterans and just trade all their draft picks away. Like George Allen, Washington's coach at the time, he was notorious for trading all of his draft picks away. You remember the Steelers from the 60s? You maybe don't remember that, but you, you're aware that the Buddy Parker, those, those coaches – they could have cared less about draft picks. They, they, they traded so many of them away for veterans that were kind of on their way out or just named people at that point that had nothing left. Um, uh, bouncing back to 74, the Oilers, the 1974 Oilers, they finished 1-13 in both 73 and 74. But in 1974, they decided, you know, this is before the draft, they decided to trade their first-round pick and their third-round pick to the Cowboys for just a couple of average players. One was a wide receiver. The other one was uh, Bubba Smith's brother, the famous Bubba Smith, just average players. And it, obviously the, the Oilers being so bad, they didn't realize it at the time, but they were going to, but they had the number one overall pick. So that they lost out on the number one overall pick. The Cowboys who were a perennial contender, they had just won the Super Bowl in 71. And all of a sudden they had the number one pick in the draft in 1974. And they used it to pick Ed Tuttle Jones. Uh, that's how you stay on top. Uh, you know, they, they kind of took advantage of the, the time. They were a lot like the Steelers, the Cowboys. They, 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 once Chuck Noll came here in 70 in 69, he decided, look, we're not going to get rid of these draft picks anymore. We're going to build from the ground up. You know, when you're, when you're, when you're getting these, uh, veterans from other teams, basically you're getting other teams problems. We're not going to do that anymore. We're, we're going to, we're, we're, we're going to bring these young football players in and we're going to teach them how to play the way we want them to play. So the Cowboys and the Steelers in a lot of ways were, 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 were alike. And, and the Cowboys are really innovative when it came to, to evaluating the, the uh, prospects. They, they, uh, they were the first really to utilize computers and, and, and data and, and, and numbers, you know, uh, they were kind of like pioneers in that regard. And of course the Steelers were pioneers with, with Bill Nunn, the legendary scout uh, who was kind of an entree into into Southern uh, small black colleges. And, and that's how they, they acquired all, so many legendary players like Mel Blunt, John Stallworth, Donnie Shell, um, Mean Joe, LC Greenwood. I mean, the list goes on and on. I can, I can sit here all, all day and name and name players, uh, Ernie Holmes. Uh, so yeah, I mean, uh, 
basically back then you had kind of a, a, a weird dynamic in the NFL where so many teams were, were they believed in building with veterans like the, the, the Dolphins in the early 70s who, I mean, they were an expansion team in the late 60s. And I just assumed that they built those great teams through the draft, young players, but only 27 players uh, from their Super Bowl teams were, were draft picks or original draft picks of theirs. So that's pretty interesting that, that, that teams felt that way. And you had teams that felt that way who were just giving away draft picks. And then you had teams like the Steelers and, 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 and the Cowboys and even the Raiders who really valued the draft. So that was pretty interesting. Uh, and of course they, they went into the, the thing with, with how, how, how conflicted Pittsburgh was with, should they draft Lynn Swan, the, the, the big school, the big name receiver in the first round of John Stallworth, the, the unknown uh, uh, player from, from the small school in the South Alabama, A&M, I believe. Uh, and, and, you know, they, 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 they took Swan and, and, and thanks to some shenanigans on Pittsburgh's part where they wouldn't let anybody see the uh, Stallworth's uh, workout uh, a film. He, he lasted to the fourth round. They got him. And, and of course, they, there were five, now six with Donnie Shaw. I guess this, this, this production was uh, um, produced before Donnie Shaw was elected to the Hall of Fame. But, you know, there, there were six players, including Shell, in that draft, uh, that NFL draft, the 74 draft. And, and five of them were, were, by, uh, were Steelers. So it's pretty, pretty amazing. And, you know, it, it talked, you know, if, if you watch some others, uh, like the 94 draft, that was famous for um, the, the, the Mel Kuyper, Bill Tobin clash, you know, who the hell's Mel Kuyper? Uh, a lot of people say that online today. Uh, I think Bill, Bill Tobin was like the first person to say that publicly because uh, Mel Kuyper, you know, the, 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 the Colts were in a bad way back then. They were always drafting in the top five, top 10 every year. And he was adamant that they needed a franchise quarterback. And the two guys that were at the top of the list that year were Heath Schuller and uh, Trent Dilfer. And uh, instead of that, <laughs> they, they, they drafted Marshall Falk. Which I think they had the third pick in that draft or the second pick. And he was like, how could you do that? We need, they need a franchise quarterback. And of course, he was wrong about that. Marshall Falk's in the Hall of Fame. And then they, I think they had the fifth pick. Yeah, they had the fifth pick. And he, Heath Schuller was already gone by then. And, and Trent Dilfer was, was still there. But instead of that, they picked Trev Alberts. And he was like, this is why they're always drafting so high every year. He was so adamant that they made a mistake. And then they interviewed Bill Tobin. Uh, Chris Mortensen interviewed him. And that's when he, you know, who the hell is Mel Kuyper? He sits up, he sits over in, there in Baltimore. He doesn't know what he's talking about. Who is he to tell us who we're supposed to pick? He's an outsider. Well, as it turned out, they were both wrong. Because Trent Trev Alberts, was uh, he had a nothing career. He was just. Enough, I think he injured, whatever. I think he lasted three years before he, his career was over. Uh, Trent Delfer was an okay quarterback. You know, he had, a, he had a nice career. He made a Pro Bowl. Obviously, he helped the 2000 Ravens win the Super Bowl. When I say helped in, in quotation marks, because I think Cliff Stout might have been able to quarterback that team to a Super Bowl. That's how good that defense was. Um, but he certainly wasn't worthy of a top five pick. That's for sure. So these guys are just going at it. I don't even know. I don't even know if they've ever patched things up. I don't even know if they talk today, uh, Bill Tobin and, and uh, Mel Kuyper, but <laughs> they were publicly feuding, fighting over over these players, and they were both wrong. And I think that's a nice le- lesson for all of us to learn today. And that's you know, like we spend all these months like fighting with each other, and uh, you know, 
your 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 picks are garbage. No, your picks are garbage. You know, you don't know what you're talking about. I had this guy twelfth on my board. How can you say he's not a you know? And then you, you look back five years later, and and those players you were arguing about had maybe okay careers. Some some of them were absolute busts. So that was a pretty interesting one. And of course, I'll just you know touch on one more, and that's the. Uh, the, the combine and and and, and uh, how one player, Mike Mamola, in 1995, he was at Boston College. At, back then, they called him an outside linebacker slash defensive end, whereas today that would be known as an edge. Somebody who's kind of too small to be a, a defensive end on, in certain formations, uh, but you know, in other formations, you're an outside linebacker. Or, or I'm sorry, yeah, he's an edge. Like in some in some formations, he would be a, a, a defensive end, a lighter defensive end. And in the three, four, he'd be an outside linebacker. That was Mike Mamula. And he was basically projected to be a third, fourth, fifth round pick, but he trained specifically for the, the, the drills in the combine. He hired trainers. He trained for months to get prepared for this. Cause he knew people, you know, put a lot of weight in the, in these results and he killed it. He had like a 4.58, uh, 40 time. He, he bench pressed like 26 times. I mean, it was, it was crazy. And he went from being a, a like a mid round pick, the the to being the, the the seventh pick overall by the Eagles, who traded up out of the twelfth spot to get him. And uh, he was just, he was basically an average player. He had a ni- nice enough career, but certainly wasn't uh, worthy of the seventh overall pick. And by and, and the Eagles passed on Warren Sapp, first round uh, or first ballot Hall of Famer, you know. Like Tony Dungy described him, this is Joe Green you're passing on. You know, yeah, the Jets passed on him because there were these rumors that surfaced at, at the 11th hour about failed drug tests, wherever they came from. I don't know, but so many teams passed on, on Warren Sapp, including the Jets, and, and their fans were famously, you know, beside themselves. That famous, like the one guy is like covering his face, like he just found out his house burned to the ground, <laughs> you know. But they were right. They were right. You passed on Warren Sapp to get Kyle Brady, who was an okay tight end, but certainly wasn't, you know, a, a generational talent. And uh, the Buccaneers wound up with both Warren Sapp and Derek Brooks in that draft. It was amazing. It was amazing that they got both of those players. And those guys, along with uh, Simeon Rice, uh, John Lynch, um, Rondé Barber, I mean, they went on to help them uh, rebuild their franchise and win a Super Bowl ultimately. So amazing you know some drafts you know yield you nothing others change your friend your entire franchise it's just it's just it's such a as we always say total crapshoot so you can find those uh those episodes on youtube and if if you're into the draft which i know a lot of you are uh, i think you'll find those pretty interesting they're like 45 minutes long yeah just it's just great stuff just great stuff like this you know like the 85 draft how, how close uh, the, the 49ers came to making a trade with the Bengals to move up three spots to trade, to, to draft Eddie Brown instead of Jerry Rice. Although I think they still would have drafted Jerry Rice. I think, I think Bill Walsh was, I, I think he just loved him. He loved, he loved Jerry Rice and he wasn't going to, but, but at the time, uh, Eddie Brown, Jerry Rice and, and, and Al Toon were considered like interchangeable, like the running backs of today in, coming into this draft. Like, you know, you don't, you can't distinguish one from the other. And yet Jerry Rice is arguably the greatest football player who ever lived. So, and Eddie Brown was an okay receiver. Altoon was pretty good, but they were, they certainly weren't Jerry Rice. So you just never know, but uh, check those out if you ever, if, if you ever have a chance. 
And those are my topics for tonight. Now I will take some questions before I say goodnight. And here's one, for, here's a comment from Cree X. And she says, first round, second round, I want them to be starters, whoever they pick. Well, that's the, that's the idea. I mean, that's, that's when you, when you pick, when you're picking in the first and second round, uh, you're looking for starters, if not right away, certainly soon, sooner rather than later. You want, you want those guys to start. And here's one from Eric Pereira. And he asks, what if, Javante Williams is the only available running back left at 24. Do you take him? Yes or no? That's a great question. That is a great question. And it, it all depends. I don't want to be a cop out, but it all depends. Who else is there? Is uh is Creed Humphrey there, the center? The, 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 what if there what if he's there when he, when he probably he probably will be there? And you know they need a center just like they need a running back. What do you do there? What if what if there's a stud uh tackle that that that, that slides? Like like David DeCastro, he is a guard, but he slid to 24. Nobody expected him to be to be there. Like, what if it's uh, uh, the one from Virginia Tech? Uh, was it Dareshaw? What if he's there? I mean, it's a uh, you know, I, I don't know. I I might have to go with the uh, the the, uh, the tackle. You know, the the the, the quote unquote draft value at that point. But I mean, if you if uh, if you feel like you, you can get a a a really good uh, tackle in the second round, maybe or the third round. Because it, it's a lot deeper than running back, maybe you take Javante Williams. You know, we'll see. It's, a, it's a, but it's a great question. I mean, and we're going to find out in a couple weeks, less than two weeks. And here's one from Ryan O'Toole, and he asks, Tony, do you see Big Al returning, or will they decide at, that after the draft? That's what that was one of Jeff's uh, questions, right? Yeah, it's one of his six packs. Um, I don't see him returning before the draft. No, I think I, I think if they do bring him back, they're gonna they're gonna wait till after the draft because I think, you know, they went out and they signed Joe Hay, who who can who can possibly start for them if need be if if Zach Banner or, or, or Shooks uh, don't improve. But then again, you know, maybe they draft somebody. <laughs> you know, if they draft somebody, then I, I don't I don't see him coming back. Um. But I think if they do make a decision on him, I think it'll be after the draft. Although I've been surprised before. I didn't expect Vince Williams to be back, and here he is. I didn't expect Tyson Alulu to be back, and here he is. I didn't, I didn't expect Juju to be back, and here he is. So it might happen tomorrow for all I know. And what else we have here? Here's one from Ken McNair about Javante Williams, about the – Eric Pereira question. He says, yeah, I'd say yes, draft him. That's Eric. That's like uh, Kenneth, Kenneth McNair. So there you go. There's so many possibilities. And like I keep saying, uh, this draft is so intriguing because like in our minds, some of these positions are needs. Like I just mentioned tackle, you know, as far as we're, a lot of us are concerned, that's a, that's a need. I, I certainly think it might be, but we don't know how they feel about, about Zach Banner. They signed him to a pretty decent deal. If he plays the next two years, it'll be worth two or I'm sorry, nine million dollars. That's a lot of money uh, to pay somebody that you don't believe in. <laughs> so they might like him a lot. They, they, you know, Joe Haig, they might really like him and the versatility he brings, and they might love Shooks, you know. And, and we're, we're thinking, oh, they have to draft a, a tackle in the first round, and they, and they might be thinking we could wait to the third or fourth round. Uh, cornerbacks, another one. 
You know, we're thinking uh, maybe they need to draft one early, but they might absolutely love James Pierre. We know, I know Jeffrey Benedict loves James Pierre. If there's two or three people in that organization that feel the same way, uh, maybe they feel he could be their starter uh, in, in 2021 as the, on, on the outside, you know, so you just, you just never know what they're, what they're, what they're thinking. We, we can, we could talk to we're blue in the face about what we think and we can look at all these mock drafts and the big board and, 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 and everything under the sun. But I mean, you know, we, they, we don't, we're never going to know what they think. And, and even when they, even when they say stuff, you know, you don't know if he should believe it or not. That's just, there, there's just so many things that, you know, teams are always trying to throw other team teams off the, off their scent and what they're trying to do. So it, it's such a, that's why people find it intriguing, you know, uh, the draft because it is such a crapshoot. If it, if, it, if it was um, um, more predictable, I don't think it would be as much fun. You know, if we didn't sit here for months and argue about it, and I know I just said, you know, learn from Bill Tobin and 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 Mel Kiper. I know I said that, but it's not going to happen. You know, we're not going to learn from that. But but uh, <laughs> you, know, you know, if we if 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 we didn't get to sit here and argue about it for months, it wouldn't be as much fun. You know. Uh, if it was so predictable, I wouldn't have just told you about seven shows to watch about previous drafts, right? Seven NFL films productions to watch because it is such a fascinating thing. You know, like uh, uh, here's some names that from the 85 draft, Steve Calabria, Frank Reich. Remember Frank Reich? Obviously uh, Randall Cunningham. He's a legend. Steve Bono. Uh these guys were, were part of the quarterback class from 1985. This is one year after Marino set the world on fire with 48 uh, touchdowns. He set a record, right? And what do you have? 5,000 yards too for the Dolphins. So a lot of people were looking for, for uh, the next Dan Marino, but they, you know, they weren't looking like they, they, they do now. I mean, people recognize how important quarterbacks were, but I don't, I don't think they were trying to, to build them up like they are, like they do today. Like if these guys were, or in this year's draft, some of them would probably be first-round picks because that's how much importance is placed on quarterbacks now, even compared to 1985 when it was still really important. I think uh, Randall was the first guy picked. Um, and, and to be fair, Bernie Kosar was really a part of that class, but he went in a supplemental draft to Cleveland because he basically didn't want to play for the Vikings. I think a lot of, team, a lot of players didn't want to play for them back then because they were cheap and there wasn't a – uh, free agency. So you basically were attached to a team forever until they decided to get rid of you. But that's how it worked back then. So he was in the supplemental draft and he went to the Browns and Doug Flutie would have been in that draft, but he went to the USFL. So you probably would have had some quarterbacks picked in the first round, but none got picked in the first round that year. Randall Cunningham went in the second and uh, Frank Reich and, and Bono and those guys, they, they went like in the middle of the round. Calabria was a ninth round pick. You know, he was from Colgate, you know, thought he could, he had the um, size and the arm to be the next Marino. It never happened. So it was pretty interesting. And here's Dave Shipley, legendary Dave Shipley. And he's late. He says, I'm late. What's up, uh, BTSC family? Welcome, Dave. Let's see what else we have have here before I, before I uh, call it a night. Just, live chat's kind of acting slow, but that's okay. 
Here's another one from Eric Pereira, and he says, if I can get it up here, is he a fifth-round pick? Oh, I don't know. I mean, you know how you know how Steelers drafts are, right? I mean, we always go into every draft talking about needs they have to fill. Or I should fill. I hate that word because you don't really fill any need, at least not right away. It takes time before you really realize if you fill the need, address a need. Um, we always say they have to address this this position, that position, that position, that position. And they maybe they do in the first round. But then by the second round, they're drafting somebody like, why are they drafting another receiver? Why are they drafting an edge? What's going on here? You know, so, you you, you know, I don't know. Uh, if it were up to me, I'd say you address, you know, not, not in this order, but running back, O-line, tight end, center, cornerback, uh, you know, but they might go out and pick an edge for all we know. In, not in the first round. I don't think it's going to happen, but in the second, third round, you know, and it's funny. You want to know how, how valuable pass rushers are in, in the NFL. And, and we talk about quarterbacks, but I was writing down, you know, specific team needs each team. I was, you know, for, in preparation for our, our uh, uh, draft on Monday, the, the one with the, uh, with the writers that we're going to do on, on the hangover on Monday. And I swear like 24 of the 32 teams, one of the needs was edge. I just showed you how valuable edge, edge pass rushers are, you know, the outside pass rushers. So, uh, you know, quarterbacks are valuable, receivers, running backs. But I think, you know, like, like, like a scout said a number of years ago, or an executive, you paid a quarterback, uh, you paid a guy who, who, who rushes the quarterback. That's number two, you know, so edge, <laughs> pass rushers are so valuable and, 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 and teams are always looking for them. And as much as I don't think they need to do it because I like Alex Highsmith, it wouldn't shock me if Pittsburgh drafted an edge rusher, meaning an outside linebacker for them and their scheme in the second, third round. It just wouldn't, it wouldn't shock me at all. So on that happy note, I think I will call it a night. It was a fun show. Sorry about the uh, technical difficulties in the beginning. It was my mistake. I'm only human. As the song goes, I don't know who sang it, but from the 80s, Brian would know that. And uh, as sure enough, Kreese reminds me that I'm freezing up. It's my, I don't know what's going on tonight, but sorry about that. But those things happen when you're on, when you're on the internet live. And here's one from Russ Obenstein. He asks, what time is Monday's draft? And just, just to, just to be just to cl be clear, this isn't the community live chat mock draft. That's that's the following week. This is the one uh, with the with the writers like uh, Michael Beck, Brian, uh, me, uh, one of the guys from from Touchdown Under. You know, not this isn't um, the community draft, but it, it'll be around eight o'clock. That's usually when 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 the hangover comes on. You know, so roughly eight o'clock. So please stay tuned. It's gonna be a lot of fun. Uh, I'm sure one of us, me. We'll make some picks of people like, what the heck? This guy doesn't doesn't do his homework. I have been doing my homework, but it's just not as long as all the other people. So I might have some puzzling picks. So please stay, uh, stay tuned uh, for that. And I'll, I'll take one more from Ryan O'Toole since he was nice enough to ask. I probably don't even know this one, but he, this question, but he, he asked, what changes are you expecting with Canada running the show other than not being predictable? Well, I don't, I, I, a lot more motion, like you saw last year when, when he was more of an influence on the offense earlier in the year, a lot, a lot of that kind of stuff. Um, other than that, I, I'm not the, I'm not the guy to answer those questions. 
Jeffrey Benedict might be able to answer that. He's a really good expert uh, when it comes to that kind of stuff. As far as, uh, but you know, I, I'm sure they're gonna, he's going to emphasize running the ball more. Um, as far as predictability, I mean, you know, I wouldn't say that too quickly because <laughs> it doesn't take long for fans to start accusing uh, coordinators of being predictable. You know, it's just that's just the nature of the job. So um, I expect him to do a lot, uh, implement a lot more motion offense uh, into his game plans because that's that's what he specializes in. That's what he kind of. Uh, I don't know why they went away from that last year, other than maybe Ben wasn't comfortable with it or the the, the the line wasn't up to snuff. I don't know, but I expect at least that a lot more motion offense. So other than that, I don't know. Um, tune in on Wednesday nights to the curtain call. Uh, ask Jeffrey Benedict. He really knows his stuff. He'll be able to help you uh, answer that question. So on that note, I'm going to say good night. You guys have a great night. Excuse me. You're always awesome. And uh, I will talk to you on Monday on the hangover with Brian and, and, and the gang. You guys have a great weekend and go Steelers. Anatomy of an ad. Subconsciously trigger emotions through music. Perfect. Define an opportunity. Imagine talking to millions of people across the U.S. like I am now. Identify a problem. Creating an audio ad is time consuming. Offer a solution. Utilize cutting-edge AI. Imagine creating all that in under 30 seconds. Well, we did. To create this ad, to learn more about AI in the audio industry, download the white paper from audiostack.ai. Anatomy of an ad. Subconsciously trigger emotions through music. Perfect. Define an opportunity. Imagine talking to millions of people across the U.S. like I am now. Identify a problem. Creating an audio ad is time-consuming. Offer a solution. Utilize cutting-edge AI. Imagine creating all that in under 30 seconds. Well, we did. To create this ad, to learn more about AI in the audio industry, download the white paper from audiostack.ai. Anatomy of an ad. Subconsciously trigger emotions through music. Perfect. Define an opportunity. Imagine talking to millions of people across the U.S. like I am now. Identify a problem. Creating an audio ad is time-consuming. Offer a solution. Utilize cutting-edge AI. Imagine creating all that in under 30 seconds. Well, we did. To create this ad, to learn more about AI in the audio industry, download the white paper from audiostack.ai. Anatomy of an ad. Subconsciously trigger emotions through music. Perfect. Define an opportunity. Imagine talking to millions of people across the U.S. like I am now. Identify a problem. Creating an audio ad is time-consuming. Offer a solution. Utilize cutting-edge AI. Imagine creating all that in under 30 seconds. Well, we did. To create this ad, to learn more about AI in the audio industry, download the white paper from audiostack.ai.